Hallelujah. Well, this morning I want to talk about the power and the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we're having two services back to back, uh, I will cover each topic at each service. And I just want to apologize for people on Soweto TV. We can only cover one part of the service. Uh, maybe if you don't mind, look at Champela Motexing Latlai for the second part so that you can be part of the service. Luke 24 from verse 8, from verse 1 to verse 8, and I read the NIV Bible. It says, On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, by the way, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. There's a purpose for which Christ rose from the dead. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, our gospel wouldn't have the power that it has. Jesus rose from the dead, and it's a historical fact. His grave is empty. We need to know why he rose from the dead. What was the purpose? But not only know the purpose, but what benefit is it to, to us? What is the power that's available to us so that we can enjoy maximally our relationship with God on the basis of his word, on the basis of the benefits that he has provided for us in this world and in the world to come. The portion of the text where we've read picks up the happening after Jesus was crucified and was buried. We read about the, these women who went to the tomb in the presence of Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and another unnamed woman who was there. These women had been impacted by the ministry of Christ, and it was hard for them that Jesus had been crucified. You heard on Friday how I described how many of these women had made it a, a habit or a, something that they offered as a service to be there at the base of the cross when people were crucified and offer them this mixture, this anesthetic to help the people who have been crucified to try and ease the pain. And so these women were there at the tomb of Jesus. The woman called Mary, the mother of James, probably it's likely to be among the women who had followed Jesus Christ and even provided for Jesus and his disciples during his earthly ministry. Mary Magdalene was the woman from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. She also associated with the women whom, whom, whom also we are told Jesus saved from being stoned and had later watched 
the feet of Jesus. And so these women had a, a very special connection with Jesus. And after his crucifixion, after his death and his burial on the cross, their hopes were dashed. Even the disciples, their hopes were dashed. We read in the Bible how they all scattered and everybody went into their corner because everything they had hoped for, everything they had looked forward to had been dashed. This man who had healed the sick, who had raised the dead, this man who had fed the multitudes, this man who had preached the gospel, this man who loved everybody and never discriminated, now he's gone. This leader of theirs who had given hope to them, now he's no more. Their hearts were filled with fear, filled with despair, filled with hopelessness. And it looked like not only Jesus was buried in the grave, it looked like their destinies had been buried. And so these women had come to the grave to mourn the death of Christ. And their mourning, it seemed like they were not only mourning for Christ, they were mourning for their lives. They felt that their lives will never see the break of day again. They were drowning in despair, in the despair of the moment, choking in hopelessness, choking in fear and anxiety. And they were asking themselves, what's going to happen to our lives from now henceforth? To them, the death of Jesus on Friday was the end of it all. But they forgot that God said he will rise again. And to put it in another way, Sunday is coming. They had forgotten that on numerous occasions, Jesus told them that he would die and that dying would not be the end of his life. In John 2, Jesus said to the Jews, where they said to him, what sign will you give to us? Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So he was telling them about his resurrection. In Matthew 12, 40, he told them, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the son of man shall be three days and three nights. They forgot that Jonah didn't end in the belly of the whale. Jonah did come up. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, therefore my father loves me because I laid down my life and I take it again. They had forgotten in Matthew 17, Jesus said to them when they were in Galilee, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. They had forgotten all that. Just like human nature, we forget that death is not the end of everything. We forget that when tragedy comes, that's not the end of everything. We think that when tragedy strikes and when difficulties come, it's the end of everything. See, we looked at the last two years when we couldn't meet like this. The last two years where we couldn't congregate like this. The last two years when we couldn't come together at this special time. And to some people, it seemed like the end of everything. But that's not the way it is with God. God, the end of things, becomes the beginning of a new era and the beginning of a new season. And God doesn't want you to go to the grave of your life and look at things that have died and things that are no more and things that tomorrow will never come again. The devil himself thought by killing Jesus, he's destroying the plan of God. In the same way, Satan will interrupt our lives and try to put a stop to what God wants to do. He tries to bury your destiny, bury your hopes, bury your dreams, but he doesn't understand that even if Friday comes, Sunday is around the corner. 
And I have a feeling that Sunday is around the corner for somebody in this place today. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them through the cross. So through death, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. It's unfortunate that when we talk about this time, sometimes all people focus on is the cross. And we've got to focus on the cross. We must focus on the cross. But remember, Jesus is not hanging on the cross today. The cross is not the end of the story. The cross is a continuation. The cross, therefore, is not a place of defeat, but it is a place of victory. Because the grave couldn't hold back Jesus. Death couldn't stop him. Jesus is alive. Jesus is not in the grave. This is why when John was imprisoned, after he had preached the gospel, and the rulers of the time thought they're going to stop him, they're going to destroy him, they're going to end his life. It's amazing when the enemy thinks he's bringing an end, that's when God is about to start. <laughs> and so they took him, threw him to the island of Patmos, left him there to die. This is after the historians tell us they tried to kill him, they put him in boiling oil, they did everything, but the brother didn't die. So they thought, send him to an island, a lonely island, let him be there. And because of the loneliness and everything around, he's going to die a natural death. Instead of dying, he has a revelation. And God shows him something that is beyond. And John says when he writes about Jesus in John 1.17, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus is alive and he's not in the grave anymore. But what was the purpose of his resurrection? What was the purpose? Number one, God raised Jesus from the dead because of his perfect obedience to the will of God. Philippians 2.9 tells us that Jesus became obedient to God. Jesus fulfilled all the righteous requirements. Jesus paid it all for us. He says, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name. Jesus obeyed God to the latter. And because he obeyed God and did everything that God said he must do, God raised him from the dead. Number two, Jesus was raised from the dead to attest to the fact that he was not a mere man, but he was God himself. Romans 1.4 See, Jesus, much as he walked on earth as a human being, as a full human being, 100% human, but he was God and man at the same time. Let's have the scripture, Romans 1, verse 4. This was attesting to his deity. It says, and declared to be the son of God with power 
according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. See, Jesus is not just a mere man. He's not just a mere human being. He is, he is 100% God, but 100% man. Because Jesus rose from the dead. He's the one whose tomb is empty. You can look at other leaders. They are, their tomb is there. You will still find them in the grave, but not so with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is God himself. Number three, God raised him from the dead. What's this, Barcelona? In order to justify him. Now, the word justify sounds difficult, you know. And I, I like one preacher. He said the word justify, you must say it this way. Just if, just if I had not sinned. Justified. Just as if I had not sinned. So God raised Jesus from the dead. Watch this, Barcelona. Watch this. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Let's have it up on the screen quickly. Note what it says. He says, But if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Verse 16. And without controversy, Watch this. Great is the mystery of the gospel. Watch. God was manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus. Justified in the spirit. Sin of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed in the world. And received up to glory. See, when Jesus died on the cross. He carried our sin. He took our wrong. And as a lamb that was slain, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, his blood was different to the blood of bulls and goats. And his blood was enough to satisfy the demands of a holy God. And when his blood flowed on the cross, God looked at his blood and said, the debt is fully paid. The debt is fully covered. His blood is enough not only to cover the sin, but to remove the sin. Not only the sin of the people who were there at that time, but going all the way back to Adam and going all the way to into the future, to the last man who will ever live on this world. And God looked at Jesus and looked at the blood and said he is justified. It's as though he has never done anything wrong. It's as though humanity hasn't done anything wrong. And that's why Jesus was raised from the dead. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, today we can stand before God without a sense of guilt, without a sense of shame. Hallelujah. Without a sense of condemnation. When we call upon God, he hears us, not because of our own doing, not because of our own goodness, but because he says, come boldly into the throne room of grace. And we come before him just as if we have never sinned before. And all because of the blood of Jesus. Number four, God raised Jesus from the dead to be the saving life of all those who believe. See, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we wouldn't be saved and our lives would not be saved. Romans 5, 8 reads, 
But God commends his love towards us in that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, Muruti Kabelo was talking about this, and it was a lovely thing. Keep that verse there. You know what's like? This verse is an amazing verse. It's an amazing verse. Whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were sinners, he died for us. In other words, Jesus died for us right up front. Fully knowing how wrong we are, how bad we are, he still died for us. With no guarantee that we will believe on him, we would follow him, he still died for us. With no assurance that we would love him, he still died for us. So God says, even if you don't love me, I love you anyhow. Even if you don't believe what my son has done, I, I have done it for you anyhow. In other words, we don't get saved because of what we do. We get saved because of what he does. Christ died for us. And Jesus died for us. And because he died for us and he was raised from the dead, his life becomes a saving life. Number five. I love this one. There's no other leader in the world who can ever make this claim of thousands of prophecies that had gone forth concerning them and that when they were born, they fulfilled every prophecy to the letter. No leader can claim that. There are thousands of prophecies that went forth concerning Christ long before he was born, long before he came into this world. And every one of them was fulfilled, including the prophecy of him being raised from the dead on the third day. So number five, God raised him from the dead to fulfill the sign of the three days concerning Jonah and concerning the temple. We've already read that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Let's have it on the screen. It reads as follows. Matthew 12, 38 to 40. It says, Then certain of the scribes of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we want to see a sign from you. Next verse. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation, you are seeking a sign. No sign will be given unto you but the sign of Jonah. Verse 40. Next verse says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man shall be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Can I hear a good amen? amen. John chapter 2. John chapter 2 verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign do you show us? Seeing that you do these things. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. <laughs> and in three days, I will raise it up. Keep going. Then said the Jews, it took us 46 years for this temple to be built. And are you going to just build it up in three days? I'm trying to simplify the King James language. I don't know why they're writing in King James. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Verse 22. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what had been said to them and they believed the scriptures and the word of God. See, God's word can never lie. God is not a man to lie. God is not the son of man to change his mind. And this is why whatever God says about your life, it will come to pass. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number five, number six rather. God raised Jesus from the dead, and I love this one, to be a prince and a savior. Jesus has been raised from the dead 
to be a prince and to be a savior. Acts chapter 5, verse 31 reads. Let's have the scriptures quickly. It says him, concerning talking about Jesus. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior and to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sin. Number seven. God raised Jesus from the dead to be the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. I love this one. Paul is praying for the Christians in Ephesus and he's telling them what he's praying for. And he says, among the things I'm praying for, I'm praying that God will reveal to you what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which to come, and note, Barcelona, and he has put all things under his feet. He gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the one who leads the church. Jesus is the one who is over the church. We are not the head of the church. We are not the one who are over the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the builder of the church. And because Jesus is the head of the church, and because Jesus is the builder of the church, no weapon formed against the church will prosper. The church will always stand. Number eight, God raised him from the dead. To be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1 verse 33. Listen what John says. John 1 33. It reads as follows. I'm just waiting for them to give us the scripture. It looks like there's something. It says, I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said to me. Upon whom you shall see the spirit descending and remaining him. The same is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is John speaking, that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And as we announced, Vazalana, that we're going to, you know, lead people into water baptism. But not only that, we're also going to take time to pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the endowment of power. Number nine. Hey, Nagoyakayamata. God raised Jesus from the dead to be the great high priest. The great high priest. Jesus is our high priest. Go to Hebrews chapter 8 for me, please. Not 1 Timothy chapter 2. Go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 4. I want us to read that one. God raised him. It says, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum of them. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts 
and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have something also to offer. And then note the next verse, verse 4. It says, for if we were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. So Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the one who represents us before the presence of God. Number 10, God raised Jesus from the dead to be our advocate and our intercessor. You have somebody who is your advocate, somebody who pleads your case and who fights on your behalf, but somebody as well who stands in the gap for you. Somebody also who is upholding you in prayer before God all the time. So in times when you feel alone and you feel that you are all by yourself, remember Jesus is there and he is aware of you. Look at it there in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 to 28. It reads as follows. It says, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Verse 27. Who needs not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For he did this once and he offered up himself. Let me explain. He's trying to explain here, you know, those high priests then, they had, when they came into the presence of God, they had to offer sacrifice for themselves and then for the sins of others. And they didn't do it once. They had to do it again and again and again and again. Mara, our high priest is a different kind of high priest. He didn't have to offer any sacrifice for his sin because he's a sinless high priest. But he offered sacrifice for our sin. Let's read the next verse there, verse 28. I don't know why they took the scripture off. Verse 28. Can we have it? Hebrews 7 again. Verse 28. It says, for the law makes men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, makes the son who is the consecrated one forevermore. In other words, you know, God made people to be high priests, but these people had shortcomings. These people had problems. Mararuna, the one who is our high priest, had not a problem at all. And that is why he's a high priest that we can depend on. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number 11, I love this one. God raised him from the dead to show him as the bruiser of the serpent's head. See, when Jesus died on the cross, the devil thought he had stopped him in his mission. But the devil had forgotten what God had said in Genesis 3.15. Look at it. This is what God said. After Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, God talks to Adam, God talks to Eve, and God talks to the serpent. The serpent representing Satan. Listen to what it says. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, watch, and between your seed and her seed. Hang on now. Hang on now. Childbirth in, Bible, in the Bible is never referred to as the seed of a woman. Because the seed is actually the sperm. The woman provides the egg. It's the man who provides the seed. So in this verse, already God was prophesying that the one who's going to be born is going to be born without the aid of a man. Satan didn't see it at all. Note what it says. It says, I will put enmity 
between you, the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Now watch. It shall bruise your head. The, ex- the expression, bruise your head. Those of you who've ever killed a snake, I don't know how many of you have ever killed a snake. You've killed a snake, bro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever killed a snake? Come on. I'm making a survey. You've killed a snake, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who've ever killed a snake, they know that the, 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 the best way to kill a snake, you've got to attack the head. You hit it somewhere else, you haven't done anything. So the bruising of the head, the crushing of the head, is actually the killing of the snake. But the head is the seat of all power. The head is where everything is. So if you crush the head, you immobilize anything. Oh, verse again, it's amazing. Hi, these young people come around. Can I have my verse again, please? And God is saying, this seed of the woman is going to crush your head. He says, Marawana, you will bruise his heel. What he's saying is that you're going to hurt this guy. You're going to crucify him. But even your crucifixion and everything you are doing is not going to stop him from crushing your head. So when Jesus was being crucified, Satan didn't even understand. He thought, I'm done with this guy. But if the princes of this world knew what they were doing when they were crucifying the Lord of glory, they would not have done it. So Jesus was raised from the dead to bruise the head of the serpent. And, And number 12, God raised Jesus from the dead to be the dispenser of the gift to men. Ephesians 4 tells us when he ascended, when he was raised from the dead, he gave, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Today we operate in the gifts of power, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not only the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we read about gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Tongues, interpretation, administrative gift. We also read in Ephesians 4 about the gifts of offices, prophets, pastors, teachers. But in Romans 12, we read about the gifts of teaching, administration, exhortation, giving. All these gifts have become available because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Why? What did he do? When he was raised from the dead, he took off his fullness. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus had the spirit without measure. In him dwelt all the gifts and the abilities and the talents that came from God. He was the full embodiment of everything that God has. But he realized, as I'm being raised from the dead, I'm going to be going up to heaven. I've got to leave people behind who look exactly like me. And I'm going to make sure that I take off my fullness. And as 1 Corinthians 12 says, to some he gave this gift. To the other, he gave this other gift. To the other, he gave this other gift. And this is why it's so important for us to be in unity, to work in one accord. Because when we work in one accord, we are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. This piece comes over there and another piece comes over there. And as the pieces connect and connect, and when we all connect, we form the full picture of who Jesus is. 
Because Jesus like took his fullness and gave one piece there, one piece there, one piece there. That's why there's no person who can fully represent who Jesus is. No church can fully represent who Jesus is. I need you, you need me. And when we hold hands together, we are able to operate in another dimension. That is why when we gather together in this manner, there's a certain level of anointing that we're able to access and we're able to operate in. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, he took us his fullness and he distributed it among us. And so Jesus was raised from the dead and today we remember. And the purpose of it all, we understand. And finally, he was raised from the dead to become the crowning glory of the work of redemption. Romans 5 tells us that death came to all men through one man. But through the one man, Jesus Christ, life came to all of us. And because of what Jesus came, because of the resurrection of one man, the Bible says, watch this, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Watch. It doesn't say he is the first one to be raised from death, but the firstborn from spiritual death. Because there were other people who were raised from the dead, but the difference is they were raised from the dead, they did die later on. Jesus, on the other hand, he was raised from the dead and he never died again. And he was demonstrating to us that the power of death has been paralyzed over our lives. The power of sin has been paralyzed over our lives. And Jesus was raised from the dead to become the crowning glory of God's redemption. God is saying, not only have I saved your son, I've also taken away the power of death from your life. Even when you pass on, you're transitioning into glory. All because Jesus was raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, we can believe on him. We can receive him as our savior and as our Lord. Because he was raised from the dead, we can say, Christ, I, I believe on you. I receive you as my savior and my Lord. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Would you bow your heads with me, everybody, as we pray? Father, we thank you for the privilege of knowing why Jesus was raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, it's possible for us to know him as the Savior and the Lord of our lives. And this morning, as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we ponder on what Jesus has done for us. We thank you that he was raised from the dead. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Jesus died for you, and he was raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, you can be raised as well from your spiritual death. You can know Christ as Savior and Lord because the power of sin has been totally destroyed in your life. I want to make a call and appeal to you. If you are here and you say, I want to invite Jesus into my life. To be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Would you pray for me please? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need that prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it up. Let me see. Just raise it high. 
Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. Just raise it high. Raise it high. I want to invite Jesus in my life. Thank you so much. Keep it raised. Keep it raised. Keep it raised. Keep it raised. I want to invite Jesus in my life. May I ask the people who raise their hands, would you please just stand on your feet right where you are. Just stand on your feet. If you raised your hands, just stand on your feet. Thank you. See people at the back. I see them all over the place. Standing, standing, standing. Jesus, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead all because of our wrong and our sin. I want to ask, there may be somebody who's still seated. You wanted to raise your hands. You didn't raise your hand, but you want to stand with these people. Just stand with them right now. Go ahead and stand with them. If you have come with somebody who should be standing and they're not standing, just tell them, look, I'm going to stand with you. Just stand with them. Go ahead and stand with them. Go ahead and stand with them. That's right. Go ahead and stand with them. That's the way. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over there. God bless you. You can put the hands down, but just stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. All over the place. That's right. That's right. This is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. All right. I want to invite all of you. Just come to the front. Take your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. Come. Let's pray together. Just walk all the way to the front. Even right at the back. We'll wait for you. Come on.